It's time to take your seat in the front row with Mike Vaccaro. Here's your host, Mike Vaccaro. Hey, thank you, Chuck. Welcome, everybody. Mike Vaccaro here once again in the front row. As always, it's JR Quitman, our creator, producer, and director behind the scenes. Episode number 34, it's our first active athlete. Yes, a current Major League Baseball player, John Brebia, is our subject here today. He grew up in Massachusetts as a Red Sox fan, went to Elon University, drafted by the Yankees, made it through affiliated ball, independent ball, and eventually made it to Major League Baseball with the Cardinals, and now pitching for the San Francisco Giants. He tells us our story, coming back from Tommy John surgery, and what it took from getting released, going to independent ball, and getting back to Major League Baseball again with the Giants. He also shares a great story about Bill Murray, owner of the Charleston River Dogs, who he played for. He tells us about that story. Don't miss that one here today. A lot of good stuff to talk about with John Brevia, relief pitcher with the San Francisco Giants. Man, first of all, I appreciate you taking some time uh, off or time out of your schedule here. It's an off day for you today, and, and you're choosing to spend it with us this morning. So uh, I certainly thank you uh, for doing that and really want to dive into your story here and um, you know your agent, Joe Rosen, who was one of our guests early on in our, our podcast here, episode number two, helped uh, get us together. And and I certainly want to dive into that relationship and how he helped you. But for you, you're, you're a Massachusetts guy. Uh, you know, you're on the West Coast now, but you, you, you were born in Massachusetts, uh, grew up in Sharon, uh, just outside of Boston, about 17 miles outside of there. Um, what was life like early on for you sports-wise and, and, and growing up and and what eventually led you to to baseball being your sport? Gosh, yeah. Th- thank you for having me. I'm I'm glad glad I could hop on. Um, I, man, sports was always so cyclical. I feel like for for me, you know, being and having all four seasons in Massachusetts and being able to go outside and for a, most of the spring and and all the summer. Um, was definitely really great, but there was never, I always loved baseball. Baseball was always my favorite sport. I would play, you know, basketball in the winter or something like that, just because I couldn't play baseball. Um, but there was never, I don't know, there was never any draw for me to anything else. So it was kind of funny to see, like I try and play baseball in the spring and summer and as deep into the fall as I could. And then snow would hit and uh you know we'd have to kind of switch gears a little bit i had my pitch back in the backyard that i could throw a ball into and it would fire the thing back at me um so i, I spent plenty of snow days doing that um but i don't know it was uh, you know i kind of felt like it was the same for for me and all my friends you know we would just kind of tag along with each other and play whatever you know play whatever sport we could at the time um until you know eventually got to high school and sports started getting a little bit more regimented and serious. And, you know, then all the fun was gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It becomes uh, serious because you're looking at that end goal, trying to get that scholarship and, and, you know, for lucky people like you, a, a chance to obviously get to, to major league baseball was hockey ever, you know, you're, you're in Massachusetts and never played any <laughs> hockey growing up. I didn't know that's contact sports. Aren't my thing. Um, they were, yeah, I was always like a, pretty skinny. I was basically a twig. And uh, anytime I even think about like just bonking heads with someone or shouldering someone into the boards, I think like, mm, 
it's gonna hurt no i'm not gonna do that um i play a little a uh, little street hockey you know with the neighborhood kids but but other than that i think it's it's about it <laughs> so you went to to sharon high school through your junior season was was baseball became your sport at that point where you where you started to really focus in on baseball were you were you hitting pitching as well or was pitching starting to, to show through for you um doing both i at the time i probably couldn't have told you which one you know i liked more or which one i was better at or anything like that looking back on it i mean it's probably pretty clear that it was pitching um you know, although in my mind, I'm always so biased in my mind, like, oh, but, you know, I could hit those line drives, too. But I'm sure, you know, if, looking at it, it's like, no, John, that was probably terrible. Um, stick with stick with throwing. Um, but, yeah, that's I, I definitely definitely got more serious. Um, still had a ton of fun playing, obviously. And it was still kind of funny, those like especially early high school years. I don't know if I don't know if it was just me in particular, or if, if it's, it doesn't feel like it, it doesn't feel like it's this way anymore, but it, it never felt like a job. Um, when I was in high school and I feel like, you know, when I see high school kids now, especially in the off season where I work out, there's a, a lot of young high school kids that come through it. It seems like, you know, like work and they're like looking for and pursuing scholarships and a professional career and doing what they can to get there. And I felt like, you know, for me, that didn't, didn't really enter my mind until maybe maybe my junior year of high school where it was like, oh, you know, I, I think I might be able to go to college and do this. That would be cool. Um, so it was it was kind of an interesting transition to like the sophomore junior year where, you know, college college recruiters started showing up and I'll bite not that money, not that many. Um, but, you know, I mean, you know, just as well as anyone, you start getting those Florida tournaments down in Jupiter or something like that on the East Coast and. And that's when you start getting the start to see a lot more talent, a lot, a lot more talent from all over the country. And um, it turns into, you know, kind of a kind of a now a competition for for college roster spots. <laughs> yeah. And travel ball, I'm sure is, you know, were you playing travel ball at the time as well as playing for your high school team? Um, that's a good question. Not kind of not really. I would spend a little bit of the summers, I think maybe my was it my sophomore year was the first summer I went down to Florida um, and played for a team down there just a little bit. And I did a little bit more my junior year. Um, and then of course I moved down there for my senior year and, and played that summer down there. Um, but th there was definitely travel ball and Legion ball for, for a year or two. Um, but it was, uh, it wasn't until, you know, it wasn't until I was on like those Florida, Florida summer ball teams where it started to, to pick up steam. <laughs> We'll talk about that move to Florida. What what led to that and you going down there playing at uh, Wellington High School in Florida? Um, uh, yeah, opportunity. Opportunity to try and expand um, where I could possibly play baseball after high school. Um, it looked like staying in Massachusetts was, you know, at the time it seemed like that may have limited the opportunities I could get um, where there was more competition for fewer spots in college. And by going to Florida, it, it felt like the the right way to give myself the best chance possible to go to a larger variety of schools, um, schools in different regions other than just the Northeast, hopefully get people to games that are interested and think, oh, OK, maybe John could play for us. Um, and try and get as many, you know, eyeballs as possible. And also just 
getting better at baseball because um, you can play year round. So, you know, I mentioned earlier that and, and, you know, the cyclical nature of sports in the Northeast, it's Florida doesn't have that. If you like one sport, you can play it the entire year and there's nothing stopping you. Um, the occasional, you know, heavy rain and hurricane at, at 4.30 p.m., but that's about it. Um, so it was it was kind of a. Uh, I don't know, kind of a perfect storm of being able to do what I love all the time and play baseball and also be around people who have done it all the time, all their lives and learn so much and try and get better. And, and hopefully, you know, hopefully there's people there that could take a look and say, yeah, we'll give them a shot. <laughs> and I would think going from Massachusetts, as you said, cyclical, you're not playing all year round, Florida. You are the talent has got to be better that you're facing, but you go 10 and one, a 0.83 ERA, I mean, what was it about that, you know, at that point where you're thinking, okay, maybe, you know, I'm, maybe I'm better than I thought I was going down there facing some of that competition. Yeah, it definitely, um, you know, I, I wish I, I wish I had been more conscious of my conscious of my ego when I was in high school, because I thinking back on it, I, I don't recall myself, you know, having, having successes or having failures and, and those successes and failures changing my mindset towards what was going to happen next. Um, but I, if that makes any sense, but I, I do remember thinking that, you know, as I played more games in high school and saw more people showing up to those games, uh, I do remember it, it set in a little bit more that it was, Oh, this is a real possibility to, to not just play in high school. Um, I do feel I do still feel like it was I was mostly just focused on like enjoying myself and getting better and, you know, having fun playing with friends. Um, but it definitely, you know, I don't know, maybe halfway through our high school season or so. It, there was that other section that crept in that was, oh, OK, OK, this is I'm also not just playing because I like to play and I want to give our team a chance to win. But I'm also playing because maybe there's an opportunity to get more educated because of it. <laughs> and again, your performances, you had an 18 strikeout game. Do you remember that game and, and, and what it was like? Yeah, I do remember the game. And all I remember is thinking like, this is crazy. <laughs> is this, <laughs> all right. I struck a couple people out. Is this going to happen again? And then it did. And then I was like, Oh, cool. That'd be great if it happened again in the next inning. And then it did. And I was like, wouldn't it be nuts if it happened in the fourth inning too? And then it did. And it just kind of, it kind of, it was this bewilderment that just kept growing and growing and growing. And I think it was with one out or two outs left. I think I was taken out of the game on a pitch count or something like that. Um, we had someone come in and finish it, but yeah, it was, that was a, definitely a game that I remember. And mostly because it just kept like, my eyes just kept getting bigger and bigger after every inning thinking, is this real? Am I dreaming? What is happening right now? Uh, but it was a lot of cool and it was, it was a lot of fun. So again, the year that you had there in, in Florida, obviously you're starting to get recruited probably more heavily. Take us through that process. What was that like? You, you obviously, and eventually went to, to Elon university. So who else came calling and, and why was it Elon for you? Yeah, I would say the, the high school season and then um, summer when I played summer ball for the, Florida Bombers at that at that point. It was hammer time for a couple of summers and then the Florida Bombers after my senior year. Um, I would say that summer stuff is when it it 
picked up big time steam. Um, I think that's when a lot at the time, at least I think that's when a lot of college recruiting happened anyway. So, uh, and you're always playing those tournaments and stuff like that. Um, there was, it wasn't, you know, crazy hectic or anything like that for me. Um, I remember it came down to the last few schools were Elon, um, and Palm Beach Community College, which is now called Palm Beach Coast College. I can't, I can't remember. Shortly after I went to college, I think they changed the, it was no longer a, a Palm Beach Community, PBCC. I don't remember what it is now. Um, and then there was like a, I, I was like a throwaway 5% scholarship offer from Florida, which I mentally hung, hung on to because I was like, oh, Florida, cool. <laughs> um, but that was not, a, didn't really make the final running. And I, I remember summer ball, Elon started to reach out a little bit more. Um, Huff, Robbie Huff Settler coach was reaching out a little bit more, trying to kind of get things going, get the ball, get the ball rolling. And, um, you know, that's like, I wasn't crazy hands-on with a lot of the process behind how the college recruiting and all that stuff goes. I was mostly just, I would check out a school, I would Google it, read about it or something. Um, and then I would rely on the people around me, my parents, Joe, obviously was probably, was definitely the smartest person when it came to that stuff. And probably the person that I lean most on for, for questions and things like that whenever I, uh, whenever I didn't know what the heck I was doing, which was most of the time. Um, and yeah, by the time, by the time close to the end of the summer rolled around, it was, a, ended up being a pretty clear choice between Elon and Palm Beach Community College, you know, which one I wanted to do. And a, a four-year school at Elon just was the right fit for me. Um, you know, I, I wanted to go somewhere that was, that I could spend a handful of years there and, um, and Elon's a great academic program, which I always, you know, at the time, I don't think I pictured myself as a serious major league baseball player. Um, so I, I definitely remember prioritizing like, Hey, where can I, where can I get a really, uh, solid education? Um, and I remember Elon being like the, the number one place that, that could offer that, um, you know, since none of the Ivies wanted me. <laughs> Yeah, not, not the Ivies, but the Elon yeah. just a very good yeah. school, very good academic school and good baseball school as well. Head coach is Mike Kennedy there, uh, who was a former catcher at Elon as well. How did he help you in your progression? Because you played a lot. You had a lot of appearances, even starting your freshman year when you guys made an NCAA regional appearance that year in 2009. Yeah, that's I, Elon was great because it was such a competitive atmosphere and such a competitive nature. It was a, it was a really good baseball school. It was an excellent academic school and a really good baseball school. And there was no shortage of drive, like of people pushing every, you know, each other and things like that, a really good community team atmosphere, which I think you, you can get, um, you can get into that in a, in a lot of colleges. I think they foster a really good team at uh, like team atmosphere and, Elon was no exception in it. And it was, I, I had a pretty good experience there. It was a lot of fun playing with those guys. I made some really good friends and, and it was just a fun place to, especially with Kennedy at the helm there, it was a fun place to be able to like, to just get after it. Um, you know, you, you'd go head to head with 
someone in your grade in your class and you'd be one starting pitcher on one end of a fall game and the other guy you know your buddy on the other end of a of a fall game intra squad and you just you'd be barking at each other you'd want to win because you'd want to go to study hall later and be able to talk smack to each other about who pitched better or who won you know fun stuff like that and i think uh one one of the really cool things about elon and especially about kennedy's way of doing things was he let you kind of take control of what you were doing. Um, you know, he let me make more than enough mistakes in these fall ball games and try and learn myself. And he also helped let me learn with other people too, with the rest of the coaching staff and with him, you know, there's, there's no shortage of advice or there's no shortage of tips or there's no shortage of things to try. But one of the really, really fun parts of Elon was being allowed to, try something that I wanted to try or do something that I thought was going to work. And then if it did great. And if it didn't be like, yeah, didn't work, stinks, try it again, try something else. Um, so it was a, a really cool learning process, especially early on to be able to trial and error things. And then, you know, when you figure out, when you figure something out that that might work or could work, you have the appearances and you have the time and he'll give you the innings to work on it and iron it out. Um, and being a good team and winning a lot helps too, you know, cause you can't, you can't really sit back and coast and hope that it works out. You have to, if you don't do well, you don't pitch. <laughs> so, and losing, I don't know. I, I haven't met anyone who likes losing yet. So it's always nice when you're on a winning team and kind of drive each other that way. And if people don't know that are watching this, Elon University is in North Carolina. It's uh, kind of just outside of Greensboro. Uh, so you go from Massachusetts to Florida to, to North Carolina but then a couple of summers, you have a chance to go back to Massachusetts. You play in the Cape Cod League, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, how important was that a step to getting you to where you are now? Because that's probably the the premier summer collegiate league that a lot of scouts are, have eyes on, the players that are playing there. Yeah, um, it was definitely like a one of my proudest personal accomplishments because I had grown up going to Cape League games, um, spending – I couldn't even tell you how much time I've spent in Chatham, Massachusetts, going to Chatham A's games. Um, so the initial the initial goal of trying to get there because it was a place that I it was a league that I idolized and watched growing up uh, was really cool. And then when I got there and I played for Orleans, the Firebirds um, started playing a little bit. And that's when I realized, oh, man, yeah, this is a. Now I see why this is such a big step for guys to play at the next level, at the professional level, because there's people there, there's scouts there, every game, no questions asked. There's always going to be, I don't know, at least 20 or 25 people there. I mean, it, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty fun, pretty interesting to see. Um, and then, you know, you, you hope that you have success and it's great because if you do, you're having success against some of the best talent in college baseball. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be able to go for, I was in the Northwoods League after my freshman year and then Cape League after my sophomore and junior year playing for Kelly Nicholson um, in Orleans. And it was just, it was a ton of fun. Um, you know, for starters, it's, just, it's a league. You're on Cape Cod in the summer, so mm -hmm. how could it possibly go wrong? Um, but it was super competitive and it was, you know, just, just like my college atmosphere at Elon where everyone's kind of driving each other because the talent is so good. The Cape league is the same way. Um, you'll get, you'll get left in the dust if, if you're not trying to keep up. So it was a, a really cool place to be able to try and harness talent and use that talent against other people 
who will let you know if you make a mistake. <laughs> so that was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Having the success there and then bringing that back to Elon. I mean, your confidence had to be huge from, from that point, you know, again, going up against some of the, the best players, as you said, in, in the country and then coming back and obviously your, your junior year, you're outstanding seven and one, 1.76 ERA. What was it? The, the confidence, what was it that really helped you your junior season? That's a good question. <laughs> um, Cause I was pretty abysmal my first two years um, at, at Elon, which was remarkable that, that, Coach Kennedy even kept giving me opportunities after a little while. Um, I I would love to be able to sit here and say these three things changed and these three things, um, you know, made me better and made me who, you know, who I could eventually become. But I I think on, a, on like a micro level, like refining pitches, um, learning what I feel like baseball, probably sports in general, if, if I played any other sports, but I feel like baseball is just a constant what works and what doesn't work process. So the more you play, the more you learn what does work and what doesn't work. Um, and my sophomore summer was just a year where I tried a couple of things and figured out really what worked well and what didn't work well. Um, you know, prioritizing strikes as crazy as it sounds, but no matter who's hitting, it's always a great idea to prioritize throwing strikes. Um, and that was something that I remember learning and taking back to Elon. I, I don't think velocity changed um, really very much, but off-speed pitches for sure, trying to throw as many off-speed pitches as I could in the strikes on it. It was all, you know, small things that was that process of like, all right, let's try this. All right, let's try this. And I got lucky and a couple of things worked over the course of a two or three week period. And I was able to take those and sort of ride them through my junior year at school. Yeah. Again, outstanding year at seven and one, you were all Southern conference. Um, so Joe Rosen, I guess, is your advisor at this time, not necessarily your, your agent. And you know, the, the year that you had the success you had in the Cape Cod league, was it a, a no brainer that you were going to leave. You were, you know, see where you were going to get drafted after your junior season. And, and, and were you signing no matter what at that point? Um, technically, I don't know if I would say no matter what, but when I, I was drafted my junior year and then continued to play my junior summer, um, cause I didn't sign, I wasn't made an offer after I was drafted. Um, they, the Yankees drafted me and then, said, okay, go play summer ball so we can figure this out. Um, so it was, it was kind of a mental toss up, like, all right, you know, and I didn't really know exactly how it worked at the time. I was like, they drafted me, but haven't made an offer. So what does that mean? I don't know anyone. <laughs> I don't know anyone that that's happened to. Uh, most of the time, the guys that I know were made an offer and they didn't like it. So they kept playing until a better offer came along. Um, and there I am sitting there like, well, they made it a, the, or they drafted me, but I'm, uh, no offer. <laughs> I'm just hanging out. Um, so the more I played that summer and the more I kind of saw, you know, talked with or, you know, Joe, at least talking with the Yankee organization to see sort of what direction we were heading. And the more I pitched and the more I felt comfortable pitching the more realistic it seemed like, all right, you know, I, well, I think, I think I'm going to give this pro ball thing a shot. Um, and, and it worked out to where once they did say, Hey, this is what we want to do. 
um, Joe and I were like, oh yeah, okay, definitely. <laughs> we were, we were not, a. we, I guess we, we had a cutoff, but it wasn't something that was, you know, terribly big. And it was a 30th round pick number 929. I mean, I would think those numbers to get from that number to major league baseball, the success rate isn't that high. Did you ever think about going back for a senior year, trying, trying to get that number up or, you know, what were you thinking at that point? Yeah, the, uh, I felt like I was pretty, pretty aware at the time that, you know, I hadn't, baseball's hard to, 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 break into anyway. Um, so me waiting around an extra year to see if anything better would come along just seemed like a, it just, it didn't feel right. It was one of those gut things where it was like, I don't know why I would wait any longer. Like, I feel like I, I had the success that I was hoping to have. So why try and, you know, push it for more? Um, plus generally I, I, and again, maybe things have changed now, but I believe the junior signs are typically better compensated than a senior sign. Um, so we figured let's not, let's not lose out on any, on any options by going back another year. Um, and, and also just the, your classic once in a lifetime opportunity versus school where school's great. I really do love school, but I felt confident going back to school at pretty much any age. <laughs> Whereas, I don't know if I could have waited. I certainly couldn't have waited 10 years or 15 years or 40 years and called the Yankees and been like, Hey, you remember you drafted me in a, in 11. Yeah. I'm 62. I'd like to play. <laughs> I'm going to take I'm you ready now. I'm ready now. Yeah. Yeah. Like arm feels really fresh. Um, so, you know, where I felt like I, I could do that with Elon. <laughs> um, so it was at that point, it was like, let's, let's play. This is going to be great. Um, I love baseball. Why, you know, why stop now? And you did go back, you did graduate from Elon. So uh, again, kudos to you for, for doing yeah. that and fulfilling that. Uh, as you said, there was always an opportunity to go back and, and you did that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a ton of fun too. Yeah. I, I think it ended up being, I, I always joke about it. I was, I a 2015 or 2016 graduate um, after starting there in 2000, I think it was 2015 graduate after starting there in 2008. So uh, everyone, my family always gives me a hard time. Here's the, the seven, it took them seven years. Um, but it was, yeah, it was great. I got drafted, took a few years off and then I would go back for the fall semesters. Um, didn't really know anyone. So it made school a lot easier <laughs> when you don't have a social life and don't play a sport in college. Yeah. Yeah. I recommend having no friends in college because you'll do great at school. <laughs> very focused, right? Very focused. <laughs> yeah, that's it. yeah, no friends and just Netflix and homework. So again, 2011, you're drafted by the Yankees. I've got to think, yes, you're thinking my 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 pro career is started. I'm drafted Major League Baseball, but it's the Yankees. You had to have been a Red Sox fan growing up in, in Sharon, Massachusetts, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'll, I will never forget the... I, at the time I had, I had enough awareness to, to know that like, to kind of understand how the draft and the baseball and all that worked to where it wasn't, you know, like as much as I wanted to be, as much as I wanted to play for the Red Sox and, you know, be the starting shortstop and a starting pitcher. Um, that's not exactly how the draft worked, but I'll never forget getting, um, I was drafted during a, during a Cape league practice. I thought the draft had ended for the day. 
So I like put my phone in my locker, went out to practice, whatever. And we get done and I go back inside and I've got a hundred text messages, like 60 missed calls, something ridiculous. And uh, I'll never forget a, 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 a small handful of the text messages were from, from friends from Massachusetts that were like, uh, you're not going right. It's the Yankees. There's no way, uh, you know, you're going to, you're just going to, you're going to wait. Right. Or like, are you going to call the Red Sox and, and tell them that you want to play for them? Um, and it was, I remember just responding like, no, <laughs> not really. I don't really have those types of options as, as fun as that might sound. That is not a, that's not how it works, but it was just really funny seeing, I've got some hardline Boston fans that were like, oh, nah, John's not going. He would never go. He likes the Red Sox. <laughs> Like, well, unfortunately, <laughs> I'll see you guys later. Yeah, um, yeah. But it was, you got to put those allegiances aside at some point, right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Pe people definitely came around and were like, ah, "All right, all right." He's just a little bit of a traitor, but I get it. <laughs> so, so you sign with the the Yankees, and and the grind begins for you. You you start with the the Staten Island Yankees, Charleston River Dogs, Charleston, and the Tampa Yankees as well. Is is the, is the grind as as tough as they say it is? In minor league baseball, trying to, you know, going from city to city, riding those buses and, and doing what you have to do to get to that next level. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say it is, um, especially, you know, it, so much of baseball is, is dictated on whether you're having success or not. If I put together a good couple of weeks, all of a sudden a 12 hour bus ride didn't seem so bad. If I had a bad couple of weeks, a 12 hour bus ride was the last thing in the world I wanted to do. But in either scenario, you're taking a 12 hour bus ride. Um, yeah, sometimes the accommodations weren't great. Um, sometimes you had these wonky travel schedules. Sometimes you would go to a place that was just miserable because um, you'd get in late. There'd be bugs everywhere because you're playing all night games. You know, the hotel's not near any food, so you've got to take a taxi um or walk a few miles to a waffle house because that's the closest thing and you're just trying to piece together this road trip um but if you're pitching well it it helps <laughs> it helps a lot unfortunately um and when i wasn't pitching well which was often enough you know it, it made it a little bit harder and a little bit harder but uh the i would definitely playing in staten island you know new york city's got more than enough stuff um and Charleston was a great site. I was really lucky where the home cities I played in were fantastic. I mean, Tampa, Florida, Charleston, South Carolina, Staten Island. I mean, there's no there's no shortage of, of great stuff to do around any of those places. But the travel, minor league travel is definitely, definitely something that you don't want to be stuck with for too long. But it's baseball, so just about everyone is. <laughs> For the River Dogs, Bill Murray's part owner of them. Do you have a Bill Murray story? Did you ever meet him during your time with Charleston? I met, yeah, I met him a couple of times. Um, there, yeah, there are a couple. There was one time he actually made it on a Sports Center, Sports Center top ten, or maybe even not top ten, but it was one of the Sports Center things because there was a huge storm and he was running around the bases uh, in a in a bathing suit, sliding into bases on the tarp um, because the grounds crew has laid out the tarp, and no one's going to tell Bill Murray to get off the get off the field during a storm. Um, but my, hands down, my favorite was his, uh, his spiel in Caddyshack where he's talking about oh, the heavy stuff's not going to come down for a while. I heard him during that same rain delay. I mean, it was just pouring outside 
and myself and a friend of mine, Brett Garretsy, were walking in the tunnel behind from the dugout to the clubhouse. And the umpires were back there, you know, waiting it out, waiting for a weather report. And I remember Brett and I were stopped in our tracks because we heard Bill Murray giving that Caddyshack scene a run through to the umpires like, it, you know, like he was um, like he was telling them, you know, oh, we'll be fine. We can play the heavy stuff's not coming down for a while. And I remember thinking that was just it. I wasn't even laughing. I wasn't making a happy face or a sad face. It was just this like I was frozen. Like, am I really hearing Bill Murray say these lines that everyone knows Bill Murray from like, this is, this is unbelievable. It was mind blowing. It was really, really fun to like, just be there and hear that. Um, so that was really cool. But he, I mean, that guy, I feel like he's, I feel like he's doing something crazy and silly all the time. Um, so it was really cool being able to being able to play and see some of that firsthand. So you, you saw Carl Spackler in reality there. Uh, yeah, right in front of that's crazy. But yeah, that's exactly what it was. it was. It was unbelievable. And I just, Brett and I looked at each other like, is this really happening? I don't know if this is really happening and it was really happening. <laughs> well, again, three years there, those different teams. Then unfortunately for you, 2013, you released by the, by the Yankees. So I would think for you, this is maybe the first time you'd been released. You'd been let go. What was that like? What's going through your head during, during that type of moment? Um, why, why me? What did I do wrong? I've worked so hard. Um, yeah, I was miserable. You know, I, I love baseball. I love playing baseball and, um, and having a team call you and very politely, you know, say you stink it out of here. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was heartbreaking. Uh, obviously they didn't say it like that. You know, it was something along the lines of like, Oh, I'm sorry. We don't have room on the rosters for spring training for you. Um, so we're not going to invite you. And it's like, but 600 people go to spring training. Uh, can't you make it 601? Um, so that was, that was definitely kind of a, at the time, you know, came out of left field, but it really didn't. Again, one of those things where looking back on it, it's like, Oh yeah, I get it. I, you know, my numbers were, Fine in the minor leagues, but it's certainly not something where they should have looked at it and been like, oh, this guy can do something. Um, I think the hardest part was disconnecting what I thought about myself and what they thought about me. Um, it was it was pretty obvious on surface, on paper, they should really, um, you know, I have no hard feelings about it because they at this point because they made the right call. But at the time, you know, I thought I had so much more talent than what I was displaying. I think that was the hard part for me where it was like, but but I can get better, but there's so much more. And obviously, you know, I believe that, but they had no reason to. Um, so it was it definitely I mean, it definitely hurt, but it was also. It also helped. It also helped me realize that, like, oh, OK, I I can't just try hard i can't just warm up every day the right way and i can't just get all my lifts in and i can't just be a good teammate and i can't well you can always be a good teammate yeah. but you know i can't just do these these individual non non talent related things and make it like i have to get better <laughs> or else no matter what else i do great i'm out on the street um so that was a you know a, a fortunate lesson to learn um, at the, you know, at the age of 23 or whatever, 
you know, I, I feel like it was something that was now and, you know, 10 years later in my life, it was important for me to have experienced that. Um, if, if me right now said that to me back then, I'd probably kick myself in the teeth because it's like, go, go, go eat glass, guy. Get out of here. I want to play. Um, so I, as, as much as it, as hard as it was to go through and to experience, it was also something that I was fortunate enough to be able to take something from. And from there, 2014, you go to independent route. So I guess, you know, no affiliated teams came calling. You go the independent route. Again, for you, it worked out. You got to Major League Baseball. You got back to affiliated baseball. But but what were you thinking about at the time you go to the, the lemurs or the canaries and then you trade to the lemurs? So some great names in independent yeah. baseball there. <laughs> um, but, you know, what was was there an end game in mind going independent route for you? Um. There, there was, and then, you know, Major League Baseball was technically the end game, but <clears throat> I, I did feel pretty strongly that I wanted to see my career out to the point where I couldn't, where I didn't think I was going to get any better. Um, and I don't know what that would have looked like. You know, I didn't have a game plan for what the most success I could have looked like. Um, it was really just, you know, how do I feel about it? Um, what does my brain and my heart and my gut tell me? Um, I'm thrilled that I played independent baseball because it was, in terms of baseball, it was the most fun I had had in a long time. Um, it was it was really just, and I still loved baseball at the time. So I went somewhere where there was no, you weren't looking at rosters. You weren't trying to figure out like, oh well, if you know, so and so just got hurt, so how what what move are they going to make in the big leagues that affects me or you know that affects triple a that affects double a that affects high a that now affects me you know like how is this going to work am i going to get more opportunities this and that like that was that was out the window and it was just it was just a bunch of guys playing baseball trying to win trying to get better um but without any extra of the the political or the business nature of it um it was purely go and play and play your best. Um, and it's certain, you know, independent ball certainly wasn't an easy career choice because it's here I am saying, well, you know, I, I'm going to just keep playing until I don't feel like I can get better. And then my career is going like worse and worse and worse and worse. And, and, you know, people around me are like, John, I, I don't know if you're getting better or not. <laughs> um, so it was, it was definitely kind of a tough thing to, to try and figure out, but I, I ended up, you know, again, like learning a lot and trial and erroring and coming up with a couple of things in independent ball that I felt like could make me a lot better. Um, and by the by the time it, you know, by the time my second year of indie ball ended, I think it, you know, it ended up working out. I was able to sign with the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I would think you have to have a lot of trust and confidence in yourself, right? I mean, again, as people are telling you, maybe it's time to hang it up. This thing's not going to work out for you. You know, is that where maybe, and there hasn't been a lot of talk about it in the past, but now the mental game, the mental aspect of, of things, it, did that kind of, it was that important for you to to stay focused and have a good mental presence when all this is happening for you in the transition? And, and again, your dream is still out there to, to get to Major League Baseball. I would say, to answer your like a big, a big firm probably. Um, at the time, you know, like the mental side of sports 
wasn't super prevalent. Um, I will say that I think the Yankees were were at the at the time possibly a little bit ahead of other organizations in terms of like taking a mental approach, but it certainly wasn't anything like mental health. It, uh, I don't know if you recall, you know, the mental ABCs of pitching was a very popular book for a while. Um, and I remember having get together pregame get togethers, like once a series or so and going over, you know, a chapter or some information from one of those chapters in that book. And, and that was great. I think it, for me at the time, it was, I, it was very compartmentalized. You know, I was like, all right, well, I'm not as good as I should be. So I'm just going to keep playing until I am. Um, and it was not, it wasn't easy or hard to, to make that decision. It just kind of seemed like that's what it was. So I kept playing <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it helped that I was playing indie ball with a bunch of guys who kind of felt the same way. Like, they're just getting out there having a ton of fun. Um, and, you know, when I, I, a little bit like I said before, you know, when I started to figure things out and have more success and actually on paper start to get better, that's when it became a little bit more realistic that like, oh, okay, that, phew, I knew it. I wasn't just wasting a ton of time. There was actually more in there. And, and I'm glad I was able to just kind of unlock that a little bit. Yeah, as you said, you, you went from Laredo to getting signed by the Diamondbacks. Then you get drafted in the Rule 5 draft by, by the Cardinals as well. Double A, Triple A with them in, in 2016. 2017, you finally get the call up. What was that like for you? What was that moment like when you found out you were getting your call up and, and had that Major League Baseball debut for you in 2017? Um, definitely thought it was a joke at first. Um a very cruel but very funny joke um, to tell someone they got called up and then not actually call them up. Um, that's right up my alley sense of humor if they didn't actually want me on the team. Um, but it was it was a little bewildering, I think. Um, at the time, going when I was in independent ball, I I more or less stopped thinking about like thinking in baseball, thinking about baseball, pardon me, in terms of making it to the next level or not making it to the next level. And I started thinking about baseball in terms of what's going to get me better and what's not going to get me better. And obviously I wanted to keep going and climbing each level and all that stuff. Um, but it, but it was a lot more black and white in terms of, in terms of my approach. So even in AAA where I didn't have, very much success at all in 2016. Um, don't remember exactly what the numbers are, and I really don't want to because it was it was I, as I recall, probably embarrassingly bad. Um, I know that I got off to a little bit better start in 17, and then and then all of a sudden it was you know four or six weeks of of where I was pitching really well, and I think just because because I was slightly older. Um, 26, I think at the time, you know, not, not a ton of 26 year old rookies, at least not that you hear about, you know, you always hear about the guys that are so-and-so is, I don't know. I think Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna were 13 when they played their rookie seasons, not that long ago. Um, you always hear about stuff like that. So at the time I was thinking like, yeah, I'm, I'm 26. I'm just kind of here. Um, and, and I looked at baseball more of, 
hey, this is getting me better. Oh, this is cool. Oh, now I'm pitching better at AAA. Ah, this is great. And less of like, hey, you know, I'm going to try and, and knock on the door of the big league team. So so when I did get called into the office and they told me that, it was it was this weird thing where like, oh, that's right. I forgot. I'm here because I would like to play Major League Baseball. This is so <laughs> cool. Um and, and I remember my favorite part, stepping out of the office and seeing, you know, my teammates crowded around me, yeah, you know, throwing their hands up in the air with excitement. That was that was probably the coolest part of it. That, that's when it felt really, uh, really real, very real. Um, but I yeah, that, that's like, a, you know, a conversation that I'll never forget because it's that's was the point since I was, you know, eight or six or whenever, whenever I thought I was going to be a starting shortstop batting fourth and the starting pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> so you have that moment. Your next moment is your debut, May 28th, 2017 against the Rockies, uh, a third of an inning, a quick appearance for you. But, but what do you remember about that moment? Or do you remember that moment? Uh, yeah, I, I, that's, I remember it. I remember it mostly because, um, Kudos to the manager, Mike Matheny. Um, you know, I it worked out like this. You know, I don't think he was trying to do this on purpose, but it worked out to where he could do this and it helped a bunch. I showed up and didn't have to pitch that first game. Um, it was a, you know, a close game, so I wasn't going to sniff it. Um, so and of course, you know, I had like the crazy early morning flight after after a night game, it was actually in Sacramento. So the AAA affiliate of the Giants um, is where I found out. So the next morning I fly to Denver. Um, like I've got this massive headache because I couldn't sleep because I just got called up to the big leagues. And then I had a, you know, a seven o'clock or eight o'clock flight or whatever it was the next day. Um, so I show up, I've got this massive headache. I'm like, just pure adrenaline all throughout the day, my first day there. And I didn't have to pitch. Um, and the next day, no shortage of adrenaline, but at least I had gotten a decent night's sleep um, in the nicest hotel I've ever stayed in up to that point too, which was also really cool. Um, but I was able to, you know, like get some rest. And then with two outs later in the game, um, they brought me in, you know, to just, and I don't, to be honest, I don't remember if anyone was on base. I don't think they were. I think it was nobody on two outs. Um, don't hold me to that. But I was able to come in and I threw, I don't know, three, two, three pitches to, to Trevor Story. Um, and he flew out to left field, which flyouts are oftentimes home runs in Colorado. So I was very lucky that it was an out. Um, and then the outing was over. So so I've always been appreciative of of how I was able to get into my first major league game. Cause of course I'm standing on the mound, like, you know, shaking so fast. I feel, I feel like the flash I'm shaking so fast, you know, like, can people even see me? I'm, I'm jittering this much. Um, so it was, it was a, a really great way to be able to kind of get into a game and get my first appearance and get my feet wet a little bit. Um, and of course that day, uh, friend of mine, Paul, Paul DeYoung had gotten called up and he hits a home run his first at bat. And that was like another cool thing to celebrate after I had, I had got done pitching. So it was just like a, a fun day overall. <laughs> yeah. As you said, you know, always going to be nerves in those situations to get in, get out, do your job, successful job, move on to the yeah. next. And, uh, you know, you stay with the Cardinals in the rest of that year, kind of back and forth with them a little bit, 2019, you're with them though, and you pitch in the playoffs as well. I mean, that's that's got to be a highlight for for anybody, Major League Baseball, just to 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 make the playoffs and then 
have those appearances. What was that experience like for you? The yeah, I think the first playoff game I threw in was almost like pitching in my first major league game. You know, the the atmosphere of the stadium is different. Um, I think I think you can notice it or not notice it, but it's definitely different. You know, it's louder. The, the entire time is louder because people are excited. You're excited to be there. Um, so I remember, yeah, throwing in my, my first playoff game was like, oh, my gosh, this is the playoffs. Don't screw up, idiot. <laughs> it's on television. Everyone's going to know. They're going to hate you. Um, but it was it was a ton of fun. And, it you know, the playoffs is like that extra step of of competition where it's, you know, even though you've probably played that team before, um, it just, it makes it so much cooler that it's now very much a do or die scenario. There's not, there's not a hundred games that you're going to play afterwards to where you hope things even out and, and you can have success. It's, it's very much, Hey, you've got, you've got a half a second and you better be better than that other person in that half a second, or you're going to go home and you're going to watch the rest of the season from the couch on TV. Um, and nobody wants that. So I, I remember feeling just feeling very alive. I remember the stadiums just quite literally buzzing with excitement and it, you know, you'd put your hand on a, on, you know, a seat and you, you could almost just feel it shaking because the entire stadium was rocking a little bit. So it was, uh, the barns rocking is some, you know, I say in hockey, but it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to pitch in that type of, of atmosphere. So it seemed like you were just kind of getting getting your foothold w- with the Cardinals and everything was going well. Then, unfortunately, Tommy John happens. Tommy John surgery for you. You, you miss all of 2020. Do you, do you remember the moment of when you thought, uh-oh, th- there's something wrong here? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was pitching on the road at the Mets facility in Port St. Lucie, and I, I don't remember my exact pitch sequence. Um because I was mostly concerned about my forearm, but I remember throwing a pitch and thinking like, ooh, forearm cramped up. Um, but the inning, unfortunately, was not over. I still had one out to get. And I want to say I threw maybe two or three more pitches at that point. Um, and I was, I guess you could say lucky. Um, I know some people that that have Tommy John, they experience a lot of pain after they throw a pitch and it tears. Um, I didn't have any crazy pain, but I, it did feel like, you know, my forearm was incredibly tight. Um, so after the game I did like, like, you know, like an idiot, I was doing like forearm exercises. I did a little soft tissue work, um, to try and like loosen it up. Cause I just thought I was extra tight. And the next day I show up and nothing had changed. Um, you know, it wasn't like a typical day after pitching and that's when, you know, I went to, into the doctor's office and they did all the tests to, to see, you know, where the stress is and where it hurts and things like that. And I, I failed the, (laughs) I failed the healthy UCL test. Um, and yeah, from there it was just, all right, well, this was fun. Baseball was fun, but now I'm getting surgery, so hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully a team will want me. But if not, I had a great ride, and and you know, I'll remember it positively. <laughs> it's got to be a gut punch, though, because again, you know, you start with the Yankees, you get released there, you go independent, you make your way to where you were, you get to the playoffs, and then this happens. Did retirement go through your mind at all at that time? Um, 
yeah, a forced retirement, I would say. Um, you know, I, I, at any point during the Tommy John, you know, from it happening to the surgery to rehab to after that, you know, there was, I never was like wanting to, um, wanting to stop playing. You know, if someone wanted me to play for them, I certainly would. But uh, there was, I would say the vast majority of time was me thinking like, this is probably it. <laughs> this is, you know, I'll, I'll probably be kind of pushed towards never playing again. And, you know, at the time I thought, all right, well, you know, I wanted to play major league baseball and, and I did, and that's really cool. Um, so, you know, I feel like some of the rehab process was just like coming to grips with that. Um, and we tried to, we tried a stem cell PRP shot before getting Tommy John. So there was a few months where I was rehabbing from, from the stem cell PRP instead of the actual surgery. Um, and it didn't, you know, it didn't end up working, which is why I had the actual Tommy John, but it was kind of the same thought process through the whole thing. Like, man, not really working, you know, um, I'm a middle reliever there. This is a high turnover position anyway. Um, and I just kept, I just remember thinking to myself, it was fun while it lasted. It was fun while it lasted. This was a lot of cool, or this was a lot of fun. This was really cool. So, um, that it was, you know, it, it was sad. It was disappointing. Um, but it was also something where I, I almost like an independent ball where I had come to grips with never playing affiliated ball again, even mm -hmm. though I wanted to, I had sort of come to grips with, all right, I'm not going to play major league baseball again but that's okay. I'm, I'm happy with, with what I've done so far. Um, and I was fortunate to where that's not how it worked out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you came back faster than most people do from Tommy John surgery. You, you get signed by the giants and you you're activated June of, of, of last year. I mean, what is that moment like for you? Was, was it almost like, you know, starting over, starting that, getting that debut again in major league baseball? Yeah, um, I would say that the the emotions were close to the same, but the reason for the emotion was a little bit different. Um, you know, all the adrenaline and all the excitement and all the nerves were no longer because, you know, wow, this is my first major league game. It was more, wow, I hope this elbow holds up when I try and throw this pitch in my first game back. Um, so it was, excuse me, <clears throat> it was really exciting to, to be able to get back on a mound again after having so many months not pitching. Um, and I, you know, after throwing the first couple of pitches and my arm didn't tear because I had rehabbed and prepared and the Giants did a great job setting me up for as much health as possible in these games. Um, I, I remember sort of settling down a little bit and, and as best as I could jumping back into you know, the normal emotions and the normal approach of, of pitching in a major league game. And the year that you guys had, not, not just you, but the Giants as well last year, you know, as the season progresses, everyone's like, okay, they're going to fade, they're going to fade, they're going to fade. They never did. What was that year like? You come back and you're on a team that has such a historic run. Tell us about that and what that was like for you. That was, I mean, even to start the season um, where, yeah, I missed close to half the year just rehabbing, even to start the season watching the team on TV and stuff like that, it was incredible. Um, 
because you saw all these guys or, you know, in spring training, I'm saying, oh, this was a really talented team. Um, and I, you know, the, it might sound crazy, but I, at the time, I wasn't super familiar with a whole bunch of other, of other baseball teams I hadn't played on. Um, you know, I, I, I'm very much a, what's the scouting report type of person and how am I going to approach a game rather than, you know, who's everyone around the league, so on and so forth. So I get to this team and I, I don't know too terribly many people, of course, you know, I've pitched against them and can remember a couple of scouting reports, but I remember thinking in spring training, like, Oh, that's a really good team. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is really cool. And then the season started and everyone did well. Every single person did really, really well. And then they just kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. And it's like, wow, everybody is so good at baseball. This is really cool to watch. Um, and then, of course, I come in and I am horrible. Just couldn't couldn't be too much worse than I was last year. So it was kind of funny to see just the the dynamic of the team have so much success and my, you know, my little pocket of misery doing really bad. But, why, I mean, 107 games is just absurd. Um that is so that is so many games to win and to see the team do it it, it really wasn't it's not like it was a surprise that they were good you know i saw them in spring training i knew there was talent but no matter how good you are winning 100 plus games is so hard to do so to see a team go out and do it consistently and every month just be racking up w's is really really exciting and really really fun to watch and in maybe one of the toughest divisions in major league baseball right now the last couple of years at least with the dodgers with the the padres the run that that they had last year the talent that they have on their team so as you said win 100 plus games to do it in that division is is, is pretty darn good yeah that's you know and, it, and it's funny it, every every team in major league baseball is a major league baseball team right, right? so there's there's never any days off when you're playing anyone but when you come across teams in the NL West these past couple of years, it is, I mean, the Dodgers won, Giants won 107, Dodgers won 106, yeah. 105. You know, it, it, like it, it's hard enough for one team to do it, much less two, even much less two in the same division. Um, so so that I think that definitely lent to a lot of the excitement last year of, of like, holy smokes, like the two of the best teams in baseball are just – going head to head 17 times, 18 times, whatever it was. Um, so that, that was a lot of fun to watch and to be able to break through as, as playoff contenders in a division like this, it's so hard to do. And it's that much more rewarding when it happens. And, and this year is no different, you know, super talented team and a super talented division. So it's, it's going to be a lot of the same. And for you, it was just a one year deal last year, but then you get re-signed this year. I mean, what does that say about you, do you think, and 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 where you are, you know, physically coming back from Tommy John and, and, and where you are with this team? It's, it's as you said, very good, and you're a member of this team. Yeah, that's I, I felt really fortunate that, that you know, they wanted to, to bring me back, um, I, largely because I just feel fortunate to be able to, like, wake up and put on a uniform every day. But, but it was cool. It, it was nice that they, you know, possibly saw me as as part of the team because you know of, of course you know I no one loves me more than me right like I, I think that I have the capability to be you know uh, uh, to keep getting better and to keep learning each day I think everyone has that capability but um I, I was really excited that the Giants were interested because I 
I was interested in, in playing more and I wanted to play on, on this team because they were so talented and because there's such a great coaching staff and players to learn from. Um, so I, I was really, really fortunate to be asked back and I love just kind of being around the clubhouse and being around the staff and all that stuff is, has helped me immensely. And I think they've helped me learn a lot. So it's, you know, I would like to have as much success as I can and, and hopefully I do, but either way, I know that like, this is the atmosphere where it happened. You grew up a fan in the middle of the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. Now you're right smack dab in the middle of the Dodgers-Giants rivalry. Yeah. Are, are they similar? Are they different? How, how do you compare the two? The So with the Red Sox-Yankee rivalry, I have only ever experienced it from the stands, um, from the stands of Fenway Park. And the, I mean, the things you hear – it's uh it's intense and i remember like the the you know the emotions of of being involved from a from strictly a fan perspective were just so wild swinging um i feel that same that same sort of intensity now dodgers giants but it's it's not quite as quite as emotional of an intensity you know it's more just like a, you can feel the crowd you can you can feel the really the passion of people. You know, if you're in San Francisco, there's tons of passionate Giant fans, but Dodger fans show up. And then when you're in LA, there's tons of passionate Dodger fans, but Giants fans show up too. So it's really cool to see people travel from stadium to stadium because you get these pockets of 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 fans no matter where you go. And to be in the middle of like a, a Dodgers Giants rivalry, it it is really cool. It is very, very intense. And I'm a huge fan of the packed out stadiums, people screaming the whole time. And you get that big time. I, I was a fan screaming during Red Sox Yankee games. Now I get to hear, you know, 40,000 of me in the crowd yelling at me. <laughs> and it's that's very that's cool. awesome. As you say, great, great atmospheres for sure. We mentioned again, you went to Elon university, you know, big name right now is George Kirby who made his debut, uh, you know, maybe a month or so ago with the, the Mariners. But Joe West is an Elon graduate as well, the, the umpire who retired after last year. Had you ever had him behind the plate while you were on the mound? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would throw pitches two or three feet outside of the strike zone, and I'd look at him when he called him a ball. Um, <laughs> so I thought we had a connection, Joe. Um, no, yeah, that's – he. I remember, was it my second year maybe – running by him he was in the outfield i think he was maybe first or second base umpire and i remember looking at him go phoenix um and he's like mm -hmm. um and that was the moment i knew i wasn't going to get any special treatment as bad as i wanted it but he's a super professional umpire so you know it's not like i was expecting anything but a uh, a greatly expanded strike zone would have been nice and i've had him back there before but you know he called it like he should have which was a real bummer for me <laughs> uh, it's, it was cool to see him a couple of changes here recently for pitchers, and one of them is PitchCom. Are you using PitchCom, and, and how effective has that been for you? Um, using it, you, definitely with the guy on second base, or if it gets really loud. Um, sometimes it, it sometimes it can be tough to hear when it's super loud, but it's also just sort of faster to, instead of sitting there putting down a whole bunch of signs or something like that, uh, especially with runners on, sometimes, you know, a catcher can just, plug in the pitch before it gets too rowdy and, and you can kind of get on the mound and go, 
I, I like Pitchcom a lot. Um, I'm sure there are people that don't, but it doesn't bother me to, I've already got a, a shield in my hat to protect me from line drives. So having the Pitchcom on the other side doesn't bother me that much, having something in there. And, and I think just getting used to it, um, I wouldn't mind using it all the time. I also don't mind the traditional signs. You know, it's what I've done my entire career up until up until this year. So I I can I can do either one. But I do think Pitchcom helps um, at the very least if you can shave off a couple of seconds in between pitches. You know, may as well. Why not? How about the baseballs? Have you seen a big difference in the baseballs the last couple of years? And especially the, the fact that, you know, they've cracked down on sticky substances as well. Is it, is it a different baseball? Is it a harder baseball to get a grip with these days? So that's, I, I think, completely anecdotal. But last year, for some reason, they just felt, or the last, up through last year, they just felt really slick and and they almost to me looked like there was more dirt on them um whereas this year i almost feel like they're not they're not rubbing them up as much or something about them isn't quite as slick i i know they implemented a a humidor i don't know the specifics of it but it's some type of you know teams have to keep baseballs in a humidor um no matter what whereas i think last year it was 10 maybe 10 or 15 teams yeah. and this year it's all 30 so i i would attribute the change in baseball slickness probably to now keeping it in a humidor because i do think there's a little bit more consistency whereas sometimes before it was like what is this a cue ball like <laughs> how am i supposed to and I'm, I'm just wiping sweat like all right let's see if i can <laughs> let's see if i can not have it fly out of my hand um it, it feels pretty consistent so far this year um i can't i to be honest i'm not crazy like keyed in on it each time but but i do think just in general a little bit more consistency so as long as guys aren't getting hit left and right by accident um yeah. you know on um, they also shouldn't be getting hit on purpose but as long as they're not getting hit by accident left and right and pitchers have the capacity to to be able to throw their best stuff then i you know i think we we're, we should be pretty fair uh, I'll leave on this, the beard. It's not quite what it was in St. Louis. And I think it, you're not on Twitter, but I think your beard is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tell us about the beard and how, how how that took on a life of its own, especially in St. Louis. Yeah. So the it started when I was halfway through my first season of Independent Mall in 2014. Um, I had been with the Yankees prior to that. So it was I was clean shaving. I maybe was able to go two days without shaving at most before it was like, Hey, sh cut it off, shave it. Um, so I was so used to just pretty much every other day, just scraping away. And then probably halfway, about halfway through my first year of indie ball, I started noticing a couple other pitchers on the team had really big beard. Joe Birch, I remember had a really big beard. And, uh, I was like, what's going on? Like, you guys growing out your beards or something? He's like, Oh yeah, we're not going to shave during the season. You should join us. I thought, Oh, okay. That sounds like fun. I'll try it. Um, and then for the rest of for the rest of that season, I didn't shave, and it probably ended up looking roughly like it does now. Uh, and then the, my next year of indie ball, we I started off. I had the same pitching coach um, as I did in Sioux Falls that I did in Laredo the next year. So we made a little pack together, like, "Hey, we're not going to shave this season, right?" And he's like, "Nope, definitely not." Um, 
So we both clean shave before the first game and then just let it ride the rest of the year. And it was just kind of like a little thing that was fun to do. Um, so when I got to the Cardinals, um, I did the same thing in the minor leagues. And so what's kind of fun now is that I'll, I'll shave. It's the same routine. I'll shave before the very first game. And, uh, and I won't shave again until the off season. I will. It's not technically true. I'll, I'll clean up my lip a little bit because it gets food in it all the time and it smells bad, but um, everything else I just kind of leave and let grow. So by the end of the season, it's obviously because I haven't shaved much longer than the start of the season. So we're seeing maybe, I don't know, close to, or probably close to halfway, right? Maybe a third of the way through the season yeah. now. Um, so it's about the third of the size that, uh, that it will be at the end of the year. Um, and it's, you know, it's a fun little reminder. It mostly now at this point, it most reminds me of independent ball and how much fun that was. And, you know, how it, instead of eating, whatever we have for spread today, I could be eating, you know, scraping peanut butter and jelly out of the bottom of a can, putting it on one loaf of moldy bread to eat for pregame and postgame. So it, it's a nice little reminder that like, it's the big leagues. This is a lot of fun. Um, you know, re remember to enjoy it because you're here. Don't stress about it because you might not be. <laughs> the big question is, does the wife like it? She is accepting of it. No, um, I think be, I, to be, I think it's just become like a ubiquitous part of baseball. So I'm not even sure if she notices anymore. I can't it, I, I can't imagine if I said, hey, honey, do, do you like the beard? I don't I'm not picturing an emphatic. Yes, I love it. Um, but uh, she's never you know, she's not negative about it either. So she's supportive. She's supportive of the beard and the process that it goes through. <laughs> there you go. There you go. John, how, again, I don't think you're on social media, or at least not on twi Twitter. How how can people follow you other than, you know, obviously watching the Giants games? Uh, that's a good question. Um, you can come on down to a game on road trips. I bounce around to coffee shops. So so, I'm, you know. I always have fun talking to people and, you know, during breakfast or something like that. Um, but other than that, you know, that I'll, I'll stay off the, uh, stay off the grid as much as I can. So, you know, you have one bad outing. It, it makes up for all the things you don't want to hear after having 10 good ones. So, <laughs> yes. so yeah, come to a coffee shop and I'll, I'll probably be there. There, there you go. Yes. Yeah, so social media could be uh, tough to take after losses for sure for anybody, yeah. not just uh, yourself. But uh, <laughs> John, again, I can't thank you enough for spending uh, some of your off day time with us here today to, to share your story, yeah. uh, a great story and uh, certainly one that uh, hopefully those watching this will continue to follow you, follow the Giants and, and wish you nothing but success the rest of the year. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This was a blast. Well, our thanks to John Brebbia taking some time out of his off day to tell us his story. Our thanks also to his agent, Joe Rosen, who was with us in episode two for helping connect us with John as well. A great story of overcoming, uh, again, being released, Tommy John surgery and pitching Major League Baseball, not giving up on that dream and on a very good San Francisco Giants team as well. As always, we thank you for watching, for listening as well. Continue to do so and be sure to subscribe. More great guests coming your way in the front row with Mike Vaccaro. Have a great day, everybody.